Welcome to another episode of the Heartship Journey Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm your host, Andrea Mauser, a mindset and personal growth coach and creator of Choose Your Journey. We all endure hardship in some form in our life. It's those very things we go through, we grow through. My guest today is Crystal Weber, a teacher and campus pastor who shares about how her faith shaped her. In college, Crystal was raped and became pregnant as a result and experienced some health issues. She shares about her experience in deciding to give the baby up for adoption and what happens years later. It's incredible, a story you're gonna wanna hear all the way to the end. Crystal's perspective on life and how it was shaped is incredibly inspirational. And we are reminded that even in the deepest, darkest moments of our life, there is good that is coming from it. Thank you for listening and be sure to check out my website, www.chooseyourjourney.co to hear other episodes of inspiration. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Heartship Journey. Crystal, nice to have you here. I'm so honored to have a chance to connect with you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So Crystal, if you just want to share a little bit about who you are, mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of dive into more of your story. Yeah. Um, so I am a high school teacher in Dubuque, Iowa, and then I'm also a campus pastor for uh, Wesley and East Dubuque, Iowa, and or excuse me, East Dubuque, Illinois, and then um, Center Grove in Dubuque. And I have a little girl, and my life just revolves around her. How old is she? She will be 12 in a couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. That's a fun age. That yeah. middle school. Uh-huh. Trying to navigate those. Yep. First year of middle school <laughs> and like some days I have no clue what I'm doing. and Right. The Especially the day. homework too. Like I think about. Well, homework's not so bad because mainly it's English homework and I'm an English teacher as well. Mm, so it's perfect. not too bad. But <laughs> just the hormones and emotions. Mm. That's the part I'm not doing well with because I'm just like, why is it that hard? Yeah, and things have changed so much yeah. with technology and just the connection or lack of with yeah. what we've experienced in the past couple of years. So, yep. yeah, wonderful. Well, it's an interesting uh, way, I'll say, that we got connected right, literally right. out of the blue. Yep. Uh, so for those listening, I went and got our mail one day, and usually when we get the mail, it has who it's from. In in this case, the letter just had a smiley face in the return address label. And I thought, okay, I wonder what this is. And in it was a letter written by someone who wished to remain anonymous, but they were just sharing about Crystal and what they experienced with her and just found it to be a very profound thing for their life and was open to sharing her contact information that perhaps maybe she could be a guest on the podcast. So I had the letter and I'd never seen anything like that before. It wasn't signed or anything. So I did. I called you, Crystal, didn't I? Out of the blue. And I shared who I was and about this letter. And there was some details within it. And I think you'll be sharing more about that today. But I really feel like it was like a God-led moment. I think so too. Um, because yeah, I had some health things going on. I had some health things happen within my faith journey. And so I had some health things going on and just kind of frustrated a little bit, not necessarily with God, but just like life, like, come on, you know? And then you call me that night and I was just, I was just crying. So I'm like, oh my gosh, because God thinks he's a funny man. You know, he's always throwing things. And it's just like, really God. Um, so I'm one of those people, like, don't tell me things happen for a reason. Cause that just makes me mad. Like, mm. especially like in the moment, like don't say, well, this happens for a reason. It just frustrates me, but I look for why things happen, like what God has and why things happen. Um, and so with my health things going on that are hopefully getting resolved, um, you know, it's just like ugh, kind of down and out. And then you called me. I'm like, ah, thanks God. You know, cause it just, it's like, okay, yep. It's good. Life's good again. You know? Yeah. So that's what I try to look for in like things, mm, like, like negative that. things or bad things happening. Yeah. Or even positive things too. I'm like, oh. So, yeah, I just know it left me with that whole warm, fuzzy feeling. And it was one of those like, wow, yeah, this is amazing. Because I was driving um, home um, from Cedar Rapids because, you know, one of those last minute mom deals. Um, My daughter needed an outfit for her band concert. So, of course, the night before, 
And then we were, I was driving home and my daughter was like, mom, are you okay? I'm just like, no, <laughs> I'm not okay. Like God's funny again. And so I shared with her and, you know, she was pretty emotional too, because mm. she knows what God means in her life. And she knows that she's a miracle. And, um, yeah, and wow. she knows Jesus Christ is her Lord and savior. And it's just through things that she's experienced with me and just lessons in life. So wow. I'm pretty proud as a mama that she knows. Yeah. So yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So maybe if you want to take us back yeah. a part of your journey and just share yeah. what you'd like. Okay. Um, well, I grew up on my family farm. Um, I am living there now actually, and I am fourth generation living on the farm. Um, so I wanted to, you know, take over from my father one day and we sold the cattle, so we only have the land now. So I guess I didn't quite take over, but I'm on the land that um, has been my family since 1896. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, uh-huh, I love it. Um, but everything about our family has always been Faith Family Farm. Faith Family Farm. Um, those are just kind of just how we grew up. Um, family was important. You know, faith was at the center of everything. And then our farm, like, that's how our life was. Um, so I... Uh, attended church way, way young um, because it was my grandfather's church and my great-grandfather's church and, you know, my father's church. So we just went to church. It was just who we are. Um, And uh, we're Presbyterian, and uh, my father was baptized on Easter. I was baptized on Easter. Then I had my daughter baptized on Easter. So it's just, you know, Christ has always been the center of my life. Um, I was always one of those good kids in high school. I, as a child, I never got grounded, never got a detention. I mean, I was never in trouble. I was always doing what I thought was the right thing, and I'm a people pleaser. I'm an empath, so like everybody around me, I want to be happy. That's just who I am. Um, yeah, so life's, you know, you know, going good, going through high school, and then um, deciding where I want to go to college, and because my grandpa meant so much to me, um, he wanted me to go to college not too far from home so I could come home every weekend to go to church um, and be with family. And so um, I went to the University of Dubuque. It's a Presbyterian college, and we're Presbyterian, and that's what my grandpa wanted me to do. So I'm like, okay, that's what I'm doing because grandpa said so. Um, and when I was a senior in high school, junior, senior in high school, um, a pastor came to town and was our pastor, and his name is Reverend Tom. You know, as a 17-year-old, you would think most 17 year olds like aren't really into their faith or you just go to church because they're made to go to church maybe. But uh, he was just so inspirational to me. And I just, his messages just hit me and he helped sprout my faith even more. And so coincidentally, I was a freshman at University of Dubuque and he was also finishing up his seminary, his um, going through his call um, at University of Dubuque as well. And so there was times where we would have lunch together and we would chat with other people in the pastoral program. Um, I got a Presbyterian scholarship. I was in campus ministry. Um, and so I'd go to chapel on Tuesdays with the undergraduates. I'd go to um, campus or I'd go to um, chapel with the people in seminary on Thursdays and then I'd go, go home for church. So I'm going to church three days a week. Just God centered my life and things are going great. Um, and then all of a sudden one day, um, I had a gen ed class called Christian Beliefs. I was reading the Bible and I, uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got my calling from God. I'm like, I'm a freshman in college. It's like, no, God, like, this is not, I want to be a teacher. Like, I'm not going to be a pastor. No way. Can I ask you, like, what, what, in, when you reference that calling, was it a knowing? Was it a sensation? Anything oh my gosh. That you I just, I just goosebumps because I've gotten two callings. Um, mm. I just, I almost felt like the breath was like sucked out of me and I just felt like God's presence and it was just, it just came to my mind like, you need to go to seminary, I'm calling you. It's, it's really hard to describe, but it's almost like I had n- nothing, like no breath, no nothing, like everything just froze. It's, yeah. And so I'm like freaked out. And so I was meeting with Reverend Tom the next day or two so we're having breakfast or lunch. It doesn't matter. We are in the underground. Um, that's what we call the underground cafe. Cafe, And I'm like, so I got my calling the other night. And he's like, so are you going to seminary with me? No, I'm not. 
And he's like, come on, you'd be great. And we were talking. He's like, you, you love Christ. I know your family is and all this stuff. No, I, I don't think so. I, I want to be a teacher. Okay. You know? And so it just was kind of dropped. And that was that. Um, I, uh, I was also a cheerleader um, in college. And our cheerleading coach had, like, this strict policy. Like, you need to be in bed by a certain time. You know, no parties. Like, especially on Friday nights. Because we have a game the next morning on Saturday morning. And, um... So yeah, so one Friday night, uh, I was in bed, and I get a knock on my dorm room door. Um, it was another cheerleader, and she's like, hey, I want to go to this party, um, but I want to go by myself. Like, uh, it's past curfew. Like, we, I'm in my pajamas. Like, no, we are going to bed. And she's like, oh, come on, so-and-so's over there, and I want to see him. Like, fine. You know, just me... I think being the kind person that I am, I'm like, fine, I'll walk you there, but I'm not going to be there long because I don't want to get in trouble. I mean, I've way too much writing, um, to lose a scholarship, anything to get caught. Um, so we are at the guy's, um, dorm and there's drinking and stuff going on. And it was just getting a little bit later and I don't even know what time it was. And I'm just like, this is just awkward. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go back to the dorms. Like we got to get up early. We have a game. And so this guy um, said, hey, um, I'll walk you back because I'm going back too. Oh, okay. The bottom two floors were female. The top two floors were male. And so I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can walk me back. Um, I trusted him. Um, he was a basketball player. I mean, I was a cheerleader for basketball as well as football. Um, he was going to school to be a teacher, one of the most popular guys on campus. I'm like, okay, fine. Um, so he's walking me back and he's like, Hey, I got to talk to you about something upstairs for a second. Oh, okay. You know, I'm just, I guess naive. Um, so yeah, so I go upstairs to fourth floor and he had other things in mind. Um, so yeah, um, so he raped me. Um, I went, you know, back down to my room, a couple floors down and I was just angry mad like why me now what am I supposed to do who am I supposed to tell I I was just so confused and uh I'm like okay it didn't happen so I want to ignore it um so the next day I was talking to my I thought friend um about the situation because she was telling me who she hooked up with and all this stuff and it was I was just feeling awkward and I told her what happened and she called me some really dirty names and said that I was just making it up and I probably asked for it if it did happen and saying all these things. Um, and that ended our friendship. Um, so that was early in November and um, I had all these stomach problems going on and I'm just like, oh, I just wasn't feeling good. And so um, a friend of mine had gotten ovarian cyst and so she's like, I think that's probably what's going on with you. I'm like, oh, seriously? Because my grandma, um, that was on the family farm before we moved there. Um, she had ovarian cancer. So I'm like, here we go, you know, something else. And so I, um, it was December 7th, um, and I uh, went to Hillcrest, and they said, is there any way you could be pregnant? I'm just like, well, um, I guess maybe, because I wasn't sexually active. So, um, yeah, and sure enough, did a pregnancy test, and I found out I was pregnant. And so then after that, I was just, I was just mad at God, because I'm just like, is this punishment, because I'm not going to seminary? That was my first instinct, because I didn't answer my calling. And I'm just like, cool, God. <laughs> and uh, so I just started backing away um, from things, just... I know what to do. I know how to tell my parents because I've never been grounded. I mean, I was the good kid. I never did anything wrong. And so I'm like, now here's this and, you know, I'm being punished. And then, um, the grandma I just mentioned, um, she died January 14th. And so that was really hard because, um, my grandma and grandpa, I mean, I love my mom and dad, but my grandma and grandpa were like above my mom and dad in a sense. So if we did anything, 
we lived two miles from them because we were on the family farm. They moved into town. Um, if we did anything, it was always like grandma and grandpa had to have approval. Like where I went to college, grandpa had to approve. When we bought a new vehicle, grandma and grandpa had to approve. So if they fit into it just right, when we took them to hospital appointments or, you know, like whatever we did revolved around grandma and grandpa. Um, so the fact that I lost my grandma, that was really hard. Um, and so it's January. And then... Um, had you said anything to your parents at this point? Nope. Nobody knew anything. Nobody knew anything. Um, and so then um, we're at Easter and um, it's supposed to be special and all this stuff. And my grandpa was there and because, you know, my grandma had passed away. So my grandpa was there and um, I can see where my grandpa's sitting, you know, like right in our dining room. And my mom was at the bar, like setting food out. And uh, she was just kind of joking and she's like, hey, honey, I've heard of freshman 15, but I mean, you're looking like freshman 50. And I just stopped. And I still feel horrible because I've never sworn in front of my granddad before. But I just yelled, I was effing raped, mom, okay? And that's how I told my family. Wow. Right. And so, like, everything was like, pause. And I looked at my grandpa and I was like, I felt so bad because I felt like I disappointed him because I don't know, like he was like a big man in my life and uh, it sucked. It really sucked. And so mom wanted to know about doctor's appointments. And I'm like, I haven't been to anything. So I had like six months of no prenatal care. And so, you know, she was you know, jumping on it and everything else and thinking about what we're going to do with the baby. And I'm like, well, I'm not having the baby. And she's like, well, you are. And I'm like, no, like I have to give up for adoption because I thought about, um, abortion. I had called a couple places, but in my heart, I couldn't do that. Um, and I couldn't keep the baby either because I don't feel like I have hate in my body and I didn't want to look at her or him one day and see his face and then hate them and, and not be their fault. I, I couldn't do that. I, I just couldn't. And so um, we were doing prenatal care and unfortunately um, he had given me um, HPV um, and it turned into precancerous tissue and they couldn't do anything about it because I was pregnant. And so... I uh, need to find an adoption agency. So my parents, um, or my mom found, um, she was Catholic. So went to the Catholic Archdiocese in Dubuque. And we're meeting with this person. And she never let my mom in the room. And it was really strange because I'm like 20, uh, you know, sophomore year or whatever of college, 20 years old. And we let my mom in the room. So she's asking me all these questions and asking who he was and I was just like feeling personally attacked and uh she was asking what I thought of him and I'm like I don't know he's like one of the most popular guys he got homecoming king you know I was saying these things she's like okay and then the appointment was over I told my mom everything my mom was mad she's like I don't think that's how things were supposed to go and so then um the next appointment came and then I was in the room and again, she wouldn't let my mom in. And then she looked at me and she goes, well, I think that because you're such a good person that you made this entire thing up and you don't want your parents or anybody else ashamed of you and you just need to fess up what you did. So I um, need you to write him a letter of apology and I'm going to meet you guys at a park and I want you guys to sit, at the, sit in this park and I want you to read your apology letter to him. I was floored. I was so angry. I wanted my mom. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh, I think he's here. What? I looked at her and then he walked in the room <gasps> and sat right down across from me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And he had no idea that I was pregnant. Nothing. And like he was freaking out. And it was just like, what is happening? So she was trying to get me to confess that everything was made up and all this stuff. 
I, I'm I'm speechless. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so then my mom comes in. Had you had any communication with him since no, that? No. He, no. No. Yeah, it's like what story was told to him to get him to go there? Yeah. Weird. Yeah, so she had to have contacted the college somehow. And we're like in the middle of summer. Well, April, May, you know, school year is getting yeah. out. I mean, I cheered for him because he was a basketball player and I was a cheerleader, but otherwise we did not talk. But I was going about like stuff wasn't happening. Yeah. Um. So my mom's like, we are not doing this. And I told my mom and she was angry because she's like, how dare this place that's supposed to be Catholic Archdiocese doing these things in faith and everything else do this. And so she's like, nope, um, we're going to do something else. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, so we're going like into June by this point. I was due July 29th. And uh, so my sister in Omaha, um, she had a little one. Um, his name's Jaden. And Jaden was, Jaden was a baby. He was born in um, 2000 and my baby was born in 2001. So I had a baby picture of him in my bedroom. And like, it was his face that got me through everything wow. because... I don't know. He like he was such a, you know, adorable little boy, and I spent a lot of time with him. So, like he just got me through things. So my sister in Omaha um, said, "I know I have Jaden, but maybe I could take." And I'm like, "I don't want you to take the baby because I don't want to hate the baby." And my niece or nephew, like I don't know, and I couldn't because I just couldn't do it to Jaden, who was a baby. I just I just couldn't, and so. My mom called Reverend Tom, um, and uh, I, she knew that they had maybe wanted to adopt a child because they weren't having luck, and Reverend Tom at that point, he's like, no, we just kind of gave up um, wanting to adopt. We're just going to settle with our one girl, um, but then he put my mom in contact with Bethany Christian Services in Orange City, Iowa, mm. and so... Um, yeah, so we are in the process of um, contacting Adri from Bethany, and um, I was working at the factory, a factory in Monticello over the summer, and uh, got a phone call, and my mom came to my press where I was working, and she's like, we're leaving right now. <laughs> What's going on, mom? And uh, in the car was the fastest ride, eight mile ride I've ever been on in my life, um, she told me that my grandpa had a heart attack and fell off the lawnmower. And so, um, yeah, that was June, that was June 7th. Um, so my grandpa died. So raped in November, grandma died January, um, grandpa died in June. And I'm just like getting even angrier at God because I'm just like, you're taking all of this from me. And I'm feeling like God's going to force me to have a baby and then turn into a bad person and, and I didn't want that and I was really really mad at God when I lost my grandpa because I just felt like I had nothing after that um so we uh I kind of went into hiding after that I didn't do anything I quit going to church I was I was just done like done and I was starting to slowly back off church because I was kind of hiding my pregnancy and didn't really want people at church asking me anything because I didn't want to be at church. I just went to church and then, because that's what I did and that's what I turned it into is something that we did, so I had to do it. And so then, anyway, it got to be in to July and I gained over 60 pounds. I was miserable. I was depressed. I was just shut down from the whole world. Um, but... I was able to choose um, the baby's family. And if I couldn't give the baby love, if I could give the baby a Christian home, that's, that's what I wanted. And so um, I chose Brad and Judy, and um, he was a minister at a Christian camp. So I knew that the baby was going to be okay. Because I was going to give her faith. Even though I was angry with God, I just felt that was important. Because that's who I was. And so, yep, so I chose her parents. And um, 
they couldn't have their own children. And so they have another, they had another baby that they adopted, um, Courtney. So she was like eight. And, uh, so, um, yeah. So giving birth, I was in 36 hours of labor. It was horrible. I was miserable. Like at one point I just said, cut it out of me. Cause I was just, I was just done. I was just so done. Cause I'm in this pain and it's just like, I don't want to be in this pain. I didn't do anything to be in this pain. And anyway, so, um, she was getting close to being born. I remember closing my eyes and plugging my ears and then they just, they took the baby away and then, um, they took me to a different floor. So I was like on the cardiac unit with all, all the older people. (laughs) So I wouldn't have any chance of hearing a baby cry because I didn't want to look at her. I didn't want to touch her. I didn't want to do any of that because I'd already promised a family and they were on their way from, um, Boone, Iowa. Um, they were on their way to, to get their baby, and I didn't want to to all of a sudden say, nope, I want the baby. I, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And so, um, yeah, so the two days in the hospital, um, my mom held Lacey. That's what they named her. And they asked if she could have my middle name. So her name's Lacey Ann. So, yeah, she has my middle name. And um, my mom held Lacey for two days. And I was like so mad at my mom because I'm like, I'm your baby. This is not your baby. Like, what are you doing? And so I was, I just felt lonely. Um, On the hospital list, um, I only said a couple of people that could come visit me just because, so I was kind of like in isolation. Um, I got to meet Lacey's parents and her sister. And um, they said, why? Why us? And I told them. Um, and that he reminded me a little bit, just the way he looks and just like, just some things about him that he kind of reminded me of Reverend Tom and Tom was really, and still is a major part of my life. Um, and it's just what I felt I needed to do. Um, and they were just floored. So they got Lacey. She was an hour old, you know, so they, they stayed in Dubuque and, and then took their baby home. And then I went home and didn't talk about it like nothing had happened it was done it was over with life went on like we just didn't talk um I can tell my mom was hurting but I didn't know how to talk to my mom and um I had mentioned Jaden well um Jaden is my mom's step grandchild um so Lacey would have been her first grandchild you know, and so to have her first grandchild taken away from her, um, you know, then I felt punished for that too. Like, what, did I make the wrong decision? Like, it, it was just a mess. Um, so I decided, you know, to go back to college. I had quit college, so I lost out on all the financial aid. And so I'm like, I need to go back to college. I want to be a teacher. Like, none of this happened. I was just trying to continue on with life. Anyway, um... I quit campus ministry. Um, I wasn't really doing much with church. I was just going through the motions. I just wanted to be a teacher and move on with my life. And um, like I said, we never talked about anything. Well, um, one night, um, August of 2006, so this would be about five years later, so August of 2006, um, it like hit me. I'm just like, because um, friends of my husband and myself, um, they were going through a divorce. And, you know, the mom, wife, whatever you want to call her, she's like, I don't know when I'll be able to see my kids again because of the divorce. And it was just really ugly. And then it hit me that I had a child out there that I completely ignored, acted like didn't exist. And I was really mad at myself. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. And there's like a number one rule. You do not call my parents after 10 o'clock at night unless something's wrong. Like, that was just a rule. So, it was about, it was after midnight. I know it was late. But I called my mom. I didn't even say who I was. Um, and my parents call me Smurfy. Anyway, so all of a sudden I hear mom go, hey, Smurfy. I'm like, mom, how'd you know it was me? She goes, I've, I've been waiting for this phone call. She goes, you want to talk about lazy, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. I want to talk about Lacey and it was 
was so crazy that my mom had waited so long for me to say her name. And so um, I went to my mom's house the next day, you know, the house, and we were talking about stuff. And she's like, well, let's, let's write a letter. And so we contacted the agency, and the agency said, yeah, you can send a letter to the agency. And then we'll send it, we'll try to find them and send the family a letter and see what happens. Like I said, it was like August, you know, September, you know, and trying to like write a letter. Like, what do you say to a family? I had no idea. My mom died November 18th. So. My mom, you know, never was part of sending that letter. And so I'm really, really, really mad at God because, you know, it just... I don't know. I was just angry. I'm just like, everything was being taken away from me. Everything. And so, we're sitting in the funeral home. And the funeral director is asking us questions. And um, it's my boyfriend at the time, now my husband. He had two children. And the um, funeral director asked if they could be in the obituary. And my boyfriend, um, John, he's like, yeah, their names can be in the obituary. And then my sister... Um, so it would be my, like I said, my mom's step-grandchildren, um, their names were in there, and um, the man's like, oh, only four grandchildren, huh? And then my dad leaned forward, and this is the first time I ever heard him say this, but my dad leaned forward, he said, what about Lacey Ann? And I started crying, and my sister looked at me, and she goes, mom never held any grandchildren, and I said, she helped Lacey. And so, you know, like I said, like, don't tell me, you know, things happen for a reason. It just frustrates me. But I knew in that moment at that funeral home, writing my mom's obituary, that I was raped. Went through everything for my mom to hold a grandchild. Wow. And so at that moment, like, I came to peace with everything that happened. And so then I was okay. And then I'm like, okay. And then my faith started coming back. Um, I quit being so angry because I realized that God used me for, you know, as a vessel for my, my mom. And she was so happy. And it's just so funny. Um, we were, you know, when, after somebody passes away, you go through their things the number of picture frames that we like kind of took apart and we're like taking pictures out for the funeral. Mom had hidden pictures of Lacey around the house and we didn't know it until we took apart the picture frames. So that I'm finding pictures of Lacey around the house. And so, and then um, the last Christmas present my mom bought, um, there was a present in the closet. It was all wrapped up and there was a card to Lacey and her family. And inside the box, so I, un I unwrapped it. Um, it's a white teddy bear, and it looks like it's an angel. And you squeeze it, and it sings, Jesus loves me. So, I have that bear. But, um, yeah, so that's just, you know, part of where I turned my back on God. And then, so I had Lacey, and then because of the HPV that I had talked about, um, after Lacey was born, um, I had six outpatient surgeries to remove tissue. And so there was very little of my cervix left. And so I asked the doctor, like, what were my chances of having kids? And the doctor said, very slim, just because. And so then, I was just really frustrated because I'm just like, the only child I have is no longer mine and I won't be able to have children. And so, um, I just wanted to be a mom in the worst way. I want to be a mom and I want to be a teacher. And so, um, my husband and I were, um, able to get pregnant, um, to quite a bit, but we did and it was natural. And, um, my daughter's name's Jackson. Um, 
and she was born November 9th. And November is a really hard month for me. That's the month my mom died. And my mom's birthday is in November. My mom's favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Just, you know, because. And so I really believe that God gave me Jackson at beginning of November to take away the pain of what November means. Because I was raped in November as well. Um, so yeah, so my miracle baby is just, she's my little gift, you know, and there's so many times I can see my dad in her, um, I can see my mom in her, and it's just, it's just awesome, you know, God, God's just been so good, so, so good to me, and so, um, anyway, um, my dad died in 2012, and so, um, I wasn't mad at God this time, you know, because things were better, but it's just hard, you know, so I lost my grandparents and lost both my parents in six years, and so my daughter Jackson doesn't have grandparents because my husband's parents have passed away as well. So my mom's mom lives in Cedar Rapids, but it's not like she's grandma, grandma, she just stays in her home and never leaves so um that's been hard but um anyway she knows that she's a child of God she knows that she knows that Jesus Christ is her Lord and Savior and I just really want her to know all that well um oh my goodness I was at a woman's event in you know so March March 30th of 2019 Sounds about right. Um, I was at a woman's event in our small town. And uh, this woman was just sharing different things about faith journey and how hard it is to be a woman and be a woman of faith and go through all these things we have to go through as women. And all of a sudden, I was feeling really, really weird. And I'm just like, seriously, God? Um, So I felt my second calling. And um, so I went home from that woman's event and my husband's like, so how did it go? I'm like, well, I think I'm going to seminary. And he was laughing. He goes, no, seriously, how did it go? And I said, no, seriously, I think I'm going to seminary. And we had never talked about it. Like, I just came home and said, I'm going to seminary. And he's just like, okay, you know, like, whatever. Um, anyway, so then the, ne- the next day, um, I told a woman um, at church, her name is Cheryl. And she's like, oh yeah, well, you're a teacher. I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) She's like, so how are you going to go to college? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe some online program. I'm like, I have no idea. So God just told me last night and I'm telling you right now. Like I I was just so dumbfounded. I didn't know what was supposed to happen. And so she's like, well, I'll try to find something for you. And I'm like, okay. You know, and it was just weird. So Monday's April Fool's Day. I'm walking down the hallway at school, and all of a sudden, I feel like instant, like not like a smack upside the head, but just like poof, this idea, right? And so I'm like, all right. So I go to my computer, and I pull up um, the University of Dubuque um, Seminary, and right there on the website was an online seminary program. Wow. Made for working people and blah, blah, blah. Oh so I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm just like, oh gosh, God, you are real funny because God just has this goofy sense of humor. And it's just like, God, I'm like, it's April Fool's Day. Like, are you kidding me? And so I contact Cheryl quick and Cheryl's like, oh yeah, I never thought about you. You know, so she's like so blase about it, but she's like, oh yeah, that's probably a good idea. I'll check into the program. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, oh, Reverend Tom. Reverend Tom's in Dubuque. I messaged Reverend Tom. And he got back to me a few days later. And he's like, well, yeah, this is the real deal. He's like, why not? You actually going to answer it for once? I'm like, yeah, funny guy, funny. So I'm like, sure. Um, And by April 6th, I was accepted into seminary. Wow. So much transpired in such a... It's just time. Wow. Just crazy. Just crazy. 
And so, yeah, I went to seminary and my faith was growing and life was going great. And um, so prior to seminary, um, I had just been um, pastoring, you know, preaching part time here and there um, in my home church with no training. We had lost our pastor because um, Reverend Tom had since way moved on and um, we couldn't afford a pastor anymore. So we had lost our pastor. And so we had a couple of lay pastors in our church and um, I'd fill in every once in a while. And actually my first sermon, um, I'm a huge Johnny Cash fan, which is why my daughter's name's Jackson. Because Johnny and June have a song called Jackson. Yeah. So her name's Jackson because of Johnny Cash. Okay. But my first sermon was a, um, about the song Stripes by Johnny Cash. And it's like you got stripes, like stripes around your shoulders, like these weights wearing you down. Um, so the first sermon I gave was about the weight and the pressure of everything I went through with the rape and Lacey and everything. So, um, yeah. So then, you know, like six, seven years later, all of a sudden, you know, I'm in seminary and it's just, life is feeling good. God's feeling real good. Um, and then I graduated, um, cause I was like, let's go. Like I want to be preaching. So I finished seminary and just a little over a year. Wow. Um, and full-time teaching and full-time parenting. Jackson's in five sports, so mama's going everywhere. Um, but yeah, so during the pandemic, 2020, May 2020, I graduated and uh, had no idea what I was doing. Everybody kept asking me. I'm like, I don't know. I'm a teacher. I, I have no idea. Like, quit asking me. Like, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, then... Um, during the pandemic, our little church um, in our little town, they, we couldn't do um, church online. We just don't have the resources for it. Mm-hmm. So I was attending um, online through Grandview in Dubuque, and Reverend Tom is the pastor there. Um, and I knew how inspirational he was to me when I was a teen, and I just really needed that, needed that inspiration, that like boom right to your heart, like he's only speaking to you, nobody else exists type messages. God's just so good through him. And uh, so I was listening to Reverend Tom and like, oh my God, it was just feeling good. I was good through the pandemic. All of a sudden, you know, he we got the green light to attend worship um, outdoors. So poof, you know, I'm flying to Dubuque on Sundays. I just need that Christian community. I need to be around other Christians. I need to, just to feel that. Sitting at home on my couch, my daughter in my arm and my Bible and cat and the other, you know, it wasn't enough. Um, so yeah, so I was getting close to Reverend Tom again and, uh, things were going great. And then all of a sudden we were attending worship, um, indoors and I'm sitting in a pew and it was feeling good. God was feeling good. Everything was just feeling amazing. And our little church, um, they didn't have the doors open yet, um, for, from COVID and the pandemic and I needed church. Um, anyway, so about August, um, you know, I'm sitting with my seminary degree and, uh, also in Monticello, local town near where I live, um, in Hopkin, they um, had a position open for a pastor, mm. who wishes me the pastor of my sister's church. I'm like, perfect. Mm. I interviewed there, and I told Reverend Tom about it, and he's like, okay. Okay, buddy, couldn't you have like a little more enthusiasm? He just was kind of odd about it. I'm like, okay, maybe he's having a bad day. Um, Anyway, so like September, you know, it was a little bit later. And I said, oh, and hey, uh, by the way, I didn't get that position. He said, good. He goes, I'd like to see you in my office sometime this week. Oh. I'm just like, what in the heck, guy? <laughs> like, I thought you'd be on my side. Like, you've always been, you know, like part of my faith journey. Like, yeah. why are you like yeah. not happy with what's going on? Um Anyway, so he was telling me about this vision that he had, that there were two small churches um, on the verge of closing, one called Wesley and another church called Center Grove, and that he um, wanted to do a fostership program. So it would be underneath Grandview, but um, he'd have a person um, in charge of Wesley and Center Grove to love the people, care for the people, and be a campus pastor and run their churches. And um, he would live stream the main sermon into both services, but there'd be two pastors essentially at both churches. And I'm like, oh, that is really cool.
cool. Um, he's like, and I'd like you to do that. <laughs> I go, excuse me? Like, um, you've never heard me preach before. Like, yeah. why? And he's like, I know your heart. I know your family. And I know your faith journey. He goes, when you came through the doors, the pin- uh-huh. when you came through those doors, um, the first time you could walk, we could walk through these doors and have worship, I knew you were the person that God sent. He goes, I was praying for a person. And you walk through the doors. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh. And so it just, it just felt so good to know that God put so much faith in me to be a campus pastor for two churches falling apart. After I turned my back on him for how many years, I was angry with God. I blamed God for all these bad things that had happened. And then for God to put this, you know, this opportunity in front of me. And so it hit me. I was like, wait a minute, I'm a teacher. He's like, right. You'll be a full-time teacher, and this position is part-time. So he's like, you're going to work every day of the week, but you'll be a full-time teacher, part-time pastor. I'm like, oh, that's funny. So this whole time, people are saying, what did you do? You're a teacher. Hey, I, I got the best of both worlds. Right. Um, oh, my gosh. So I'm a pastor, and I'm a teacher. Um, and I get to love people and just be myself and share God with the world and the communities. And it's good. God is so, so good. So this letter, um, going back to this letter. Um, yeah, I did. Um, summer, it was not this past July, but the summer before that. So summer 21, July, um, 21. Um, yeah. So, um, July, I don't even remember the date, but it was July of summer 21. Um, I gave my this message um, to the congregation just to share my faith journey. It's not about, um, look at me, all these bad things happened to me and congratulate me for doing, you know, because it, it was hard to give Lacey up. And a lot of people are like, wow, it must have a lot of courage and whatever. But at the same time, I know it was all for God. So to me, like, all those emotions and things that people say I should feel, I don't know. I I feel like it was all God. And so that weight isn't with it. Mm-hmm. It's not really with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's because I didn't want her. I think it's just because I knew God was involved in all of it. So it seems like it wasn't like such like a hardship to give a baby up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I gave my message. And then obviously somebody at Grandview must have... <laughs> you know, um, been touched uh, by my goofy, um, faith journey. And, um, so that was in July. And then, and, um, so every time I'd see people be like, Oh my gosh, thanks for your faith story. It's really helped me. Like even like male grown males and like grandpas and like people were crying because they felt bad because there've been times when they've turned on God, you know, and as a, this one man, he's like, I'm a father and I've been angry at God. And I thought I wasn't good enough to be a father anymore. And I wasn't good enough to show my kids who God really is. He's like, but you showed me that you can turn your back on God and God's going to be there waiting and he's not going to turn on you. He's like, I needed that. And so I'm like, whoa, you know, so I just felt good um, that people took things from me and said that they, if they were praying for me, if they hoped that I would meet Lacey someday. And I'm like, well, if it happens, you know, because I had written a letter um, because um, my daughter Jackson wanted me to write a letter. So um, that was one of the things um, that I was really nervous about is because Jackson and I are so close and she's like, I'll always be your only baby. I'm like, yeah, she'll always be my only baby. And those things that you say, because um, we've raised her pretty much as an only child because her siblings are older and they're out of the house. Um, and so in the back of my mind, I'm like, how do I tell her about Lacey? Like, how do you be like, okay, by the way, really, you're not my only baby. I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, one year for father's day, I gave my husband a bracelet. So it has, um, his son's name on it. Then it says Lacey, his mm-hmm. daughter's name, and then Jackson on it. Um, 
And so one day, I was just sitting in bed. Jackson and I were cuddling. She had to use the bathroom, whatever. So she went into the bathroom, and she came back out, and she goes, what is lackey? I go, what are you talking about? She goes, lackey. I just, I have no idea. Like, what are you, where is this coming from? She goes, well, on daddy's bracelet, it says lackey, L-A-C-I. What is that? I'm like, okay. And so that was like one of those God moments because I, I had been praying like, God, please. Because I didn't want Lacey to be 18 and knock on my door and I'll say, just one second, Jackson, by the way, you have a sister and she's out, outside. <laughs> I, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of explained to her that when mommy was in college, somebody beat mommy up and, you know, a baby came in my belly because of it because she was, Jackson was younger. Um, I think she was like maybe eight, probably about Courtney's age when mm-hmm. she became a sister to Lacey. Um, and so I just told her and she's like, oh, why didn't you keep the baby? And I said, I thought I'd be a really, really bad mom. And she goes, I don't know why you'd think that. Because you're the best mommy in the world. And that just, it just made me feel so good that she was okay with it. And she's like, well, when are we going to meet her? I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, calm down, kid. Anyway, so, okay, now back to August of 2021. So like I was saying, people were coming up to me saying thank you. They were praying for me. Um, we had a dinner at Wesley and um people kept saying I'm praying for you I'm praying for you I'm like okay great you know and I was like wow <laughs> you know I was just like feeling overwhelmed but it was like for the glory of God you know so it wasn't like again it wasn't pat me on the back it was like wow God did that through me and my words to that for other people and that's part of the reason why I love preaching because God tells me what to say to people and like what to do. And I love that. It's just, I love being a vessel for God. I just, oh my gosh, I just love it. Anyway, so that was a Tuesday. So Friday, or excuse me, Thursday, I'm preparing my message um, for Sunday. And um, I just happen to be reading a book called Finding Faith. And yes, it was about a woman looking for her daughter. And um, it bothered me a little bit, you know, no big deal. Um, and the message I was writing about was hope. And so I was kind of stuck for a little bit. So I'm reading the book, Finding Faith. I'm like, okay, no, you need to work on your sermon. So I'm working on it. And all of a sudden, God, because that's the only thing that could tell me, God said, look for Lacey. And so I'm like, seriously? Like, all right, whatever, God. Um, and so... I went to Google and I did this because there's so many other times I searched for it. I knew his name. I knew um, Brad, Lacey, Methodist, Minister, Boone, Iowa. So I, just, I went to Google and typed in the same thing that I typed in a thousand other times. Like, God, seriously, what is your deal? You know, because I was kind of like, this isn't funny, God. So I type it in and all of a sudden there's like this Facebook link for this guy And so I click on the Facebook page and the first link I hit was Lacey's dad. And so I opened Facebook and I'm looking through it and I knew it was her because I'd seen pictures of her and um, they had sent me pictures over the years of her. And then I went to Lacey's Facebook page and she, um, one of her senior messages was, um, it was a senior speech, and it was recorded. And it was, oh my gosh, it's so hard to talk about. It was saying how she was grateful um, to her, her birth mother for putting her up for adoption and putting her into a faith-based home. And she grew up in a Christian home, and that was like her greatest gift ever. And I was sobbing watching that video. Because that's all I wanted for Lacey. That's all I wanted for her was have a faith-based home. That's the only thing I could give her. And I did. I did. And so then I went into, um, I had her picture on the face, or the computer of, on, from Facebook, whatever. And so I went to the bedroom where Jackson was having Jackson time that she has 
when she first wakes up, watching TV, <laughs> playing video games, whatever kids do on cell phones, whatever. I showed her the picture. She goes, is that my sister? I, I said, it is your sister. And so we were going through Facebook and then all of a sudden I was like, oh shoot, I, was, I don't think I was supposed to do this. <laughs> and so um, I contacted the adoption agency and I'm like, um, I know I'm not supposed to try to seek her till she's 21, but I accidentally found Lacey. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and so they're like, it's okay. Like reach out. If she says no or doesn't answer you, then wait for her to respond someday. Like as simple as that. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, cause I'm, I'm just lost in the moment. Like what in the dickens? So I'm like, oh gosh, now what do you do? Like, what are you supposed to say? And so I prayed on it and then I just typed out this huge message. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to find you, blah, blah, blah. About an hour later, Lisi responded and she goes, a couple days ago, my sister and I tried to find you and I had no, and she looked on Facebook. She goes, I had no idea because she didn't know my last name, didn't know anything. And so it was awesome. It was awesome. And so, yeah. So August 8th, a couple days later, you know, she turned 20 and I was able to tell her happy birthday for the first time. Um, we used to celebrate her birthday every year. We'd go out for dinner on August 8th. And Jackson didn't really know until she was a little bit older that it was Sissy's birthday. And so um, we actually had to celebrate her birthday kind of with her. And um, and it was awesome because we were sitting there at a Colonel's um, baseball game. And I'm messaging Lacey. And Jackson's like, does she have Snapchat? And I'm like, um. <laughs> and so like within a couple of seconds, all of a sudden, I'm like, Jackson, you need to be watching the game. Stay off your phone. And she's like, well, I'm messaging Sissy. And my heart, like, like, oh my gosh, that was like 10 seconds ago. And so then, since that moment, like, Lacey and Jackson have been so attached. And we actually met June 2nd. Wow. Just a few months ago, we actually met. And we're in contact almost every day. And we're in each other's lives. And it's good. It's good. God's good. Um, and I've come to terms, um, I'm surrogate. I'm not her birth mother. She has a mom and dad. She calls me Crystal and I'm okay. But her and Jackson are sisters. They look identical. Like, it's good. God is good. God's good. So that's my story. That is just amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Everything you shared, it it just, it's one of those, I think you need time to like let it sink in. So thank you yeah. so much for sharing yeah. everything and just like all the, the wow moments that I was just like, oh my gosh. I, and I, I don't even know if I have like 10 tissues in my head right now. <laughs> like, um, what would you say to someone who is questioning their faith? Would you have any words of encouragement or thoughts for them? I mean, I would just tell them that, like, no matter what they've done, you know, God's still there. You know, I, w- I was angry. I mean, more or less, I gave, my, gave God my middle finger over and over again and said, don't, tur- don't talk to me. Turn my back on him. Like, I would just say, like, no matter what you've done, mm-hmm. you know, your sins have been forgiven. And just let go and just give everything up and see what happens. And... Yeah, like no matter what people have done, you know, and that's the biggest thing that I want people to understand from, you know, my faith journey is, I mean, I didn't kill anybody or I didn't do anything else, but having hate for God, I think Mm -hmm. is pretty bad no matter why I hated God Mm -hmm. or anybody else would hate God. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that I hated God and he's like, okay, and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so that's what I would say to someone is just like, just let it go and like no matter what you did, he still loves you. You're still a child of God, no matter what happened, no matter what you said, no matter what you've done. That's all I would tell them. I mean, mm-hmm. it's wow. as simple as that, even though it's like a tough question, I think, yeah. but it's just that simple. God doesn't really care. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. you made some bad decisions. Okay. 
Yeah. You know, like, wow. like I kind of like described it, you know, like he's like that father on the front porch, you know, tapping his foot, waiting for you to come home <laughs> after curfew. And then you show up and he's like, okay, let's talk. And then you let God talk and you move on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Wow. So poignant. I know I, I've heard before a phrase, I believe, goes around something like, if God got you to it, he'll pull you through it. Yeah. And clearly with yeah. what your journey has been. Yeah. With no, I mean, I think the human form of us wants to understand. Mm-hmm. We want the logic behind things. But really, it, it's more of, it seems to be about the surrender. Yeah. To really yep. maybe get that connection or have that influence. Yeah. Wow. Because I, I mean, not that God deserves to be hated, but I think I've been through you know, and some people are like, why can you be happy? Why can you be whatever and have these emotions and kind of be nonchalant? It's not that I'm so nonchalant. I just, I know things have happened because God has put me through things and he wouldn't have done things um, in my life if I couldn't handle them. You know, so God only gave me what I could handle. And I know like what I went through was for my mom and that's comforting to me. Would I want to be raped again and go through all that? No. But I know why all that happened. Mm. So I always try to look for like the why in things and like what what is God trying to say instead of looking at the the negative, like oh, this is happening to me. Like, because mm-hmm. yeah, I do get frustrated about some things, but then all of a sudden, poof, God's like, hey, I'm like, oh yeah, thanks, God. You know, yeah. and that's why I can be so bubbly and happy because I know God's gonna, He's there. I just gotta say, mm-hmm. you know, talk to Him and. Yeah. You know? Kind of like that life's happening for me instead of the to me. Right. In that way. Do you have any favorite, like, Bible verses or references that really inspire you or you go to on days you need them? Um, Well, it's funny. Um, So Joshua 1.9, she is clothed with strength and dignity, and she lasts with no fear of the future. Um, That one is really my go-to one because yeah I'm clothed in strength I've been through so much you know and yeah I laugh with no fear of the future because I know God has everything planned out for me and if I can get through what I've gotten through in my life losing you know four of the most important people in my life um I think I can I'll do anything with God because he's carried me through those things He's, he carried me through hating him and turning my back on him. Mm-hmm. And he carried me the whole time and didn't, you know, he could have thrown me in a ditch somewhere, you know, something. But no, God was just like, okay, kid, let's just keep going. Yeah. And I hope um, when everything is said and done, um, that God will say, well done faithful servant you know your race is one I mean that's all I'm like that's just my life goal is just to you know make God proud of me you know and do what he wants me to do and him congratulate me I mean that's just my end goal so I just keep trying to live for God and living through him living for him I think that's a beautiful way to end the conversation again thank you so much and would you be able to share if people are interested to connect more with you or you know want to have a yeah. conversation about faith or want to yeah of course be able to, to listen to you yeah I, I would just love to talk to whoever okay yeah I know I know it's hard life is hard you know, and but God is good, and He's there all the time. And if people are questioning that or just anything, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be up to chat. All right. Well, just get in touch with me, and we'll we'll formulate and get you yeah. connected to Crystal. Yeah, of That'd course. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Thank you again. It was such an enlightening experience, and it just uh, that the warm fuzzy feeling just carries over <laughs> to from our initial conversation. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you for being for... that today rambling and whatnot oh my gosh um, I don't know I just we needed to hear it 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 struck like just it just stirs stuff up within yourself of you know 
when things are, when we think about things or when we want to pursue things and maybe that lack or questioning of why things happen. It's just like, like you said, putting the faith in and even, even honestly being like, it's, if you are angry, you're angry. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you have that emotion, but just knowing like, you're never going to be, he's never going to sway you. He's always going to be there for you. He gave us emotions for a reason. Mm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just, he's just there. And when we're done throwing our temper tantrum, (laughs) he'll say, all right, do you want a cookie and and milk? Can we talk about this? Like, okay, God. Yep. You know, here I am. What do you want to say? You know, it, I don't know. I know it seems kind of silly, maybe childlike, but you know, I'm a child of God. Kids make mistakes. Yeah. You know, that's how kids learn and mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna keep messing up, you know, and God's gonna still say, All right, let's have a chat. Yeah. He'll and dust us off. He'll help us yep, dust off our mud and dirt and Yep, he'll kiss my boo boo, put a band-aid <laughs> on it and say, Okay, don't do it again and I'll probably do it again. You yeah. know, he's yeah. still gonna love me. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Heartship Journey podcast today. Be sure to take a screenshot and tag me on social media, the handle at Choose Your Journey with Andrea, and share this out. I would love to know what your biggest takeaway was. It would mean so much if you would share this episode with a friend or your family. And I hope you feel inspired and motivated after hearing today's episode. And remember, no matter what comes your way in life's journey, what you go through, you grow through.